chapter 3. And Jonah is recommissioned. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So he arose and went to Nineveh, and he began to preach. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Jonah is recommissioned. Now here's the grace of God. God brings him right back to the place where he left. He left the path of obedience, and God brought him back to that same path. He brought him right back to the path of obedience. This is where God wants you and me. He wants to bring us right back to the path of obedience. Is that where you're living, my friend? Are you today in the path of obedience? Are you living today in the will of God? Is the great passion of your heart to be obedient to His Word, to be submissive to His will? What is the passion of your life? Is it Christ Himself? Are you concerned about the things that concern Him? And remember, He still loves people, and He wants you to tell people about Him. Why don't we do that these days? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to In this last study in the book of Jonah, Dr. Mitchell brings out the gospel of the grace of God as exemplified in God's dealing with his prophet, Jonah. Dr. Mitchell looks at the practical side of the gospel here in chapters 2 and 3 and how it applies to you and me. He brings our attention to the matter of prayer. Just as Jonah prayed, do we really mean business with God? Are we serious in our prayer? Jonah certainly was. Then Dr. Mitchell states that out of this prayer came faith, and out of faith came deliverance. And God recommissioned Jonah after his deliverance. He brought him back to the place where he had first failed to start all over again. Well, let's open our Bible to Jonah chapter 2 with Dr. Mitchell here as he looks at the practical side of the gospel. And you're listening to The Unchanging Word, Bible broadcast. Thank you. Again, we continue our studies in the little book of Jonah, and we want today to come to the question of how God dealt with his servant. Uh, God has dealt with Nineveh. God is now going to deal with his servant. And I would like to take a few practical lessons from this book of Jonah in all four chapters, especially chapter 1 and chapter 4. Um, before I do so, may I remind you of what we've already gone through. We've taken up the prophetic aspect of Israel being chosen of God to be a messenger to the Gentile nations, and they ran away from their responsibility, and God set them into captivity, but he is going to restore them and use them for his glory. And we saw the 
picture of our Lord in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we have just finished this question of the gospel in the first three chapters, that salvation is not by giving up things, not by throwing things overboard, not by ceremonies, not by prayers, not by paying vows. Salvation is by believing God. And when I say by believing God, I mean that means to put your trust in him. If I were teaching the gospel through John, I would point out that nearly a hundred times John uses this term about believing. And this means more than a mental assent. It means positive relationship. It means to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. This is a personal, definite personal matter. I wish I could make that so clear that you'll never misunderstand it. Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. To as many as received him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. Now let's get back to the practical side of this little book of Jonah. Uh, the beginning of our, top, of our study in Jonah, I mentioned something about the first chapter. And allow me to repeat one or two things from the practical viewpoint, because in chapter one, we have God calling his prophet Jonah, the only prophet to the Gentiles, who was sent to the Gentiles. And the message was a very simple one and very clear. Yet uh, 40 days in Nineveh shall be destroyed. And he flee, he ran away from his commission. Now, he, he, he ran away from, from God, not because of his ignorance of God. He didn't flee from Nineveh. He didn't flee from some carnal opposition, but he did from God. And when he ran away from God, when he left the path of obedience, it was because he knew the character of his God, not because of his ignorance. And he was bitter because the Assyrians were the great enemy of Israel. They were the cruel destroyers of Israel. And he faced from the truth that God would show mercy to them should they repent. And he'd rather die than have this happen. To go out of the presence of God, I repeat, is to leave the path of obedience. Fellowship is broken. And you remember, he went down to Joppa. He went down to the ship. And when you are out of fellowship with God, the path is always down. Now, Jonah knew this. He knew he couldn't get away from God. 139th Psalm, and I'm sure he knew this. Though I descended to Sheol, there you'll find me. If I take the wings of the morning and go to the farthest ends of the earth, there you'll reach me. Can't get away from God. But, you know, Jonah is like so many of us. We want the grace of God for ourselves, but not for somebody we don't like. And then you remember he was absolutely asleep to the need of these Gentile sailors. May I press this to your own heart. The Gentile sailors, a picture of the world under the judgment of God. And what are we doing as Christians? Most of us are asleep. No wonder in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Are we indifferent? Or does the world have to come and ask us to pray for them? And here the prophet is rebuked by the world. You remember one time Abraham went out of fellowship with God. He left the path of obedience and went down to Gerah. And you remember even there, 
he had to pray. Uh, they, they had to pray for them. He had to pray for the king, for Abimelech. Oh, how oftentimes Christians are rebuked by the world because they're not walking with God. May God grant to any of us who are out of fellowship with God to be sure to be in fellowship with God today. And God has made provision for you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But again, may I say, your confession must be real. God deals with reality, and you can't fool God, my friend. So after a while, after God dealt with his servant, you remember, uh, his message was confirmed, and there was a great calm. Now let's go on from here on into chapter into chapter 2, for I read in chapter 2. In chapter 1, he tries to run away. Now, in chapter 2, he's brought face to face with God. God prepared a great fish and had swallowed up Jonah. He has shut up to God. You know, it's a remarkable thing to me that God is with him even in the fish. Even when he's out of the will of God, even when he's in failure, God never leaves his people. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Will you please notice God is with him? Even in his disobedience, the Lord's with him. He never leaves us. He never leaves us. It's not, my friend, that you leave God, that God leaves you. The fact is you leave God. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, the sin of Adam didn't drive God away from Adam. It drove Adam away from God. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And friend, even though Jonah is out of the will of God, under the judgment of God, in a fish, shut up, He's face to face with God. And sometimes, you know, this is what God has to do with you and me. He has to bring us to the place where we're absolutely at the end of self and we're shut up to God. Isn't it funny about us people? Even us Christians will try anything and everything. And in desperation, we turn to God. Now, here's Jonah. He says, you remember, in the book of Jonah, he said in chapter 2, You cast me into the midst of the seas. The floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. But he wasn't. Out of the belly of hell, cried I. Yeah? 139 Psalm says, Though I dig my way into Sheol, <laughs> there you'll find me. Ah, uh, listen, am I talking to you, Christian? And you think you've gotten so far away from God that God doesn't care anymore? He's just waiting for you. It's not that you're waiting for God. God's waiting for you. And we're just like this man, Jonah. I read here in chapter 2, Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God. What else could he do? I say again, do we have to wait until we're in some desperate situation before we pray? 
Do we have to wait until we come to the end of ourselves before we pray, before we communicate with God? You know, Luke chapter 18, the first verse, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. It's easier to faint than it is to pray. You know, we're, we're strange about us. Though we know all these things, we don't act on it. God communicates to you through his word. We communicate to him through words. May I remind you that God has made man in his own image? As far as I know, there is no other created thing on earth that has the power of communication by words than man. God's made you this way, that you might communicate with him. And I say to those of us who are Christians, shame on us that we have to wait until we come into some desperate situation before we really mean business in prayer. I think it's what the Lord meant in Luke chapter 11. Do you remember a certain man came on his journey and he came to a friend of his and he was hungry. And the friend had nothing to set before him, but he had a, he had a neighbor down the street. He said, I'll go down there and borrow some bread. So he went down there and he said to his friend, lend me three loaves. And the man says, go on away. I'm in bed. My family's in bed. I'm not going to get up and give you three loaves. And the man says, okay. The sooner you give me three loaves, the sooner you go back to bed, brother. I want my three loaves. Now, the Lord told us this, that because of his importunity, the man would give him as all that he wants. Now, Jesus told this story. What does he mean? We have to mean business when we pray. And I'm sure that Jonah in the fish was meaning business, I'll tell you. And sometimes the Lord has to get us into the fish before we really mean business with God in our praying. My, what a lesson for you, or a lesson for me. It's when Jonah got to the end of himself, three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. How long am I going to be here? Can't get out. And in desperation, he turned to the God whom he knew. For you remember in the 34th Psalm, the ear of the Lord is open to the right to the cry of the righteous, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and the Lord delivereth them. He could say with David, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him. So it is with Jonah. He prayed unto his God. And then Mark, out of prayer came faith in verses four to six. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. In verse six, Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thy holy temple. Salvation is of the Lord. You see, friend, even though he was in a, shall I say, in a jam, nevertheless, he prayed, and out of, out of this his faith grew, and by the way, he knew his Bible. He stood upon the word of God in his distress. And when he got to the end of himself, his praying, his vowing, his sacrificing, he had to cry out, salvation is of the Lord, and he had immediate deliverance. And as long as he trusted himself, there was no deliverance. But the moment he turned to the Lord, the Lord delivered him. You know, 
The Lord loves to deliver his people. Did you know that? I'm sure I am talking to some people who have accepted the Savior, but your life is barren and empty, and yet your life is cluttered up with things, and you don't experience peace. You have no joy. Uh, you don't care whether the sun sets or not. You don't care whether people are saved or not. You don't care what happens. You've just got yourself into a little jam. You don't know what to do with yourself. You're discussing with yourself and everybody else. Did you ever get there? Some of you are there now, aren't you? Do you know the Lord is just waiting? He's just longing to do things for you? And when Jonah got to the end of himself and said, Salvation is of the Lord, immediately the, the fish couldn't hold him any longer. And Jonah came to the dry land. Now, chapter 3. Let's go to chapter 3. And Jonah is recommissioned. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So he arose and went to Nineveh, and he began to preach. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Jonah is recommissioned. Now here's the grace of God. God brings him right back to the place where he left. He left the path of obedience and brought, God brought him back to that same path. You know, God does that with us too, doesn't he? I'm reminded of Abraham. You remember the God of glory appeared unto Abraham and he called him out and he went out not knowing whether he went and he came to the land of Canaan and he built an altar and he pitched his tent. He had a wonderful time and God revealed himself to him. And then there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down, went down to Egypt. And when he failed God, you remember he failed man. And chapter 13 of Hebrews of Genesis starts with him coming back to the place of the altar. God brought him right back to the place where he had been before he went down to Egypt. So with Jonah. He brought him right back to the path of obedience. This is where God wants you and me. He wants to bring us right back to the path of obedience. Is that where you're living, my friend? Are you today in the path of obedience? Are you living today in the will of God? Is the great passion of your heart to be obedient to his word, to be submissive to his will? What is the passion of your life? Is it Christ himself? Are you concerned about the things that concern him? And remember, he still loves people. And he wants you to tell people about him. Why don't we do that these days? So he's, he's recommissioned. Now notice, please. And do the preaching that I bid thee. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church in chapter 2, he spoke of the fact, we did not please men, but God who tried our hearts. In Romans chapter 1, verses 14 to 17, Paul could say, I'm not ashamed. Or, I go back a little bit, 
as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, whether Jew or Gentile. For therein is the is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, where Paul says, If I seek to please men, I am no longer the servant of Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord said to his disciples after his resurrection, The Spirit of God shall come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is God's message. It's not ours, and he have absolutely no right to change it. It's a vital message. It's his message. It's not what I think, my friend. It's not what you think. It's not what somebody else thinks. What is God's message? The message which we declared unto you, says Paul, how Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and raised again the third day from the dead according to the Scriptures. I am not ashamed of this gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto deliverance. To who? To everyone that believe. Friend, let me tell you today, that you and I have a responsibility, if you love the Savior, to give God's message. And we have no right to tamper with the message. It's God's message. And by the way, it's his message that he confirms. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Paul says, our, our gospel came not to you in word only, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, with much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. It's God's message. My friend, do you believe God's word? I'm not asking you to believe the messages of men. Do you believe God's message? I want to get this into your heart. Christian friend, you have a message to give to men. You say, well, I, I was never called to preach. I don't care about that. But by your life, and by your testimony, you can bear testimony in a man that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. It's God's marriage, our Savior. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except by the name of our Savior. Oh, may we be faithful in giving the testimony to our generation. And may the Lord bless you today in doing it for his name's sake. Life is moving faster than it ever has before. What tomorrow brings us isn't certain anymore. So many paths from which to choose don't know which way to run. Cause every road leads nowhere, every road except for one. Praise the Lord, He never changes. I come to Him, He's always there. 
The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study and not affiliated with either Central Bible Church or Multnomah University. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. And our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. A program like this is dependent on your comments and your encouragement, so we need to hear from you. Remember to write and give us your thoughts and encouragement, and also remember to send us your prayer praises and prayer requests. Dr. Mitchell prayed for the prayer requests of his radio listeners, and the unchanging word is committed to continue praying for our listeners. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the unchanging word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary, life begins at Calvary.